3: back again, he's looking, he's looking, he's pumping, he is going deep, and is it a touchdown? I'm awaiting the signal. It is. It is, touchdown! It goes all the way down,
4: a 22-yard touchdown to Clement.
2: What a great throw by Nick Foles.
5: How about that, Mike Sielski? <laughs> I I remember
6: sitting in U.S. Bank Stadium, watching that play, and thinking, Oh my gosh, I can't believe Nick Foles tried to make that throw, yeah. let alone that he made that throw.
5: Yeah, think about the heroes of that Super Bowl Nick Foles, Corey Clement, uh, Immortals here, Nelson and Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, like all these guys. It was so great. And today is the fifth anniversary, which is why we play that highlight. Good morning, everybody, with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Acknow. It's a. Brisk! It's more than brisk. It's It's, a a freezing morning. I can't
6: wait to get on that plane to Phoenix tomorrow, just Uh, for the weather. I'll enjoy
5: yourself. Anyway, (laughs) uh, we got so much to talk about as the Eagles are one week away from playing in Super Bowl 57, where we are in the very unusual position of them being favored. Uh, But first off... Really good news uh, dropped last night. I don't know if people have heard it yet, but the Eagles re up Jeff Stoutland, offensive line coach and uh, running game coordinator, to a multi-year contract to stay in Philadelphia. Apparently some other teams had approached him about becoming their offensive line coach. Mike, I I don't think you're going to disagree with me. This is obviously really good news for this team. This guy is one of the best position coaches that I could name in the history of football. He has Jeff Stoutland University. Yep. And the timing of it a week before the Super Bowl, right? Everybody gets a lift by that.
6: The, The testament to how good a coach Stoutland is, is that Nick Sirianni is the third head coach with the Eagles that he has worked under. He came here with Chip Kelly. He worked under Doug Peterson and Sirianni kept him on staff. And... You know, it's interesting, Glenn, I went up to Staten Island, where Statlin is from, on Thursday. I'm doing a, a piece on him for the Inquirer that'll be out next week. And it's rare that an assistant coach in the NFL becomes a cult figure in his, in the city where the team is. But Statlin has become that. Uh, the way the offensive linemen speak of him. Uh, the way the Eagles have done so much to try to keep him here and retain him here, uh, it is it, th- this is nothing but good news if
5: you're an Eagles fan. It's rare that a lead columnist for a major metropolitan newspaper does a column leading up to the Super Bowl on a position coach.
6: Yeah, but so that's, I look forward to that. It's there's can some you, interesting
5: anecdotes you, out there. Can you share the one? I, I, I don't <laughs> want okay. you to blow your column. No, but.
6: it's okay. It's a, it's a great anecdote, and it'll be in the it'll be in the piece. So I spoke to one of the people I spoke to was Stoutland's uh, college roommate and teammate at Southern Connecticut State. Uh, And he told me that when he and Stoutland were in freshman year anatomy class together, they would diagram football plays on the top of their desks, but they wouldn't use a pen and paper. They would use (laughs) M&Ms. And the small, regular M&Ms were the skill position players, the quarterbacks, the running backs, and the wide receivers. And the bigger peanut M&Ms were the offensive and defensive linemen. And if uh, the play... Unfolded, and a skill position player was going to get hit. Uh, they would crunch that M and M. <laughs> and and talk, eat it. Yeah, and talk about how, you know, one of the peanut guys missed the block. I or love something that. Like that. That's
5: great. Yeah. I can't, I look forward to that story, and it is great news about Statlin. All right. Uh, Mike, when I used to do the show with Ray Dinger on a regular basis, and by the way, Ray's joining us at noon today. We're going to have Ray kind of break down Eagles versus Chiefs. Uh, and Seth Wickersham, the senior writer for ESPN, is going to join us at 11. We'll talk Eagles. We'll talk, he wrote the book on Brady and the Patriots, so we'll talk about the Tom Brady the latest in what may be a series of retirements. But Ray and I used to do a feature called Dumb Things People Said This Week, Mm -hmm. where I would play something for Ray and he would slap himself in the forehead and go, I knew Skip Bayless when he wasn't.
6: (laughs) Can I just say I'm glad I was never the
5: subject of that segment? No, (laughs) no, 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 no. Anyway, there were many nominees this week, and I want to start with Julian Love of the New York Giants, who earlier this week was on NFL Network's Good Morning America. Good Morning Football. Good Morning Football. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, Good Morning America is on ABC. Sorry yeah. about that. Good Morning Football, uh, where you, you will hear his opinion of Nick Sirianni, as well as all the co-hosts of that show, Cackling Like Morons. Here you go.
4: He's a guy who really is doing a good job because he's not getting his, in the way of his team. He has an experienced roster uh, from top to bottom, offense, defense. You see this stuff, though? Like, what's your reaction as a player? And that guy's doing it. I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it at all. I mean, he's in it for a free ride right now. You guys can
5: coach this team. And- <laughs> I mean,
4: that's, that's how, for, that's how uh, a bolting board right I mean, uh,
5: now. Uh, first of all, really nice laugh on that woman, Yeah. God, first, God forbid. Anyway, when he was reacting to Nick mugging on the sideline mm-hmm. and making faces and so on, but his bottom line was that Nick is a passenger yes. on this bus, and anybody—well, he's the driver, but anybody could drive it. It's on autopilot. I'm trying to figure out this metaphor. And there's so much talent on the team that Nick's inconsequential. Mike Sielski.
6: Yeah, not true uh, on multiple levels. First of all, if you've spent any time around professional sports, uh, whether you're talking about the NFL— Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, what you learn is often the most talented teams and the most talented athletes are the ones who are the hardest to coach. That because you have so much talent at your disposal, you have to keep everybody happy. You have to get you know, high caliber players to buy into a system. So the idea that just because the Eagles are deep and talented, therefore Nick Sirianni's job is easy, is in many respects wrong on its face. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, watch the way they play. This is a well-coached team. This is a team that can go out there and, depending on the opponent it's facing each week, adjust its game plan to attack whatever strengths and or weaknesses an opponent has. We saw it in this postseason against the Giants and against the 49ers. Jalen Hurts, not particularly productive throwing the ball. That's okay. The Eagles will run the ball. All day long, if they need to. That's just one example of what they've done all year. Uh, I think this is a lot of sour grapes from a guy whose
5: team basically got beat handily three times by Eagles season. Yes, and and the thing is, Nick has done a Nick. The Eagles have a ton of talent, and that's testament to the general manager. It's testament to the owner. It's testament to how he coaches them. But he has also created a culture, which is what a coach does. Well, you know, you've been around teams. You can have teams of a lot of talent where it goes south. 2011 Eagles. Exactly. Um, the players like him. The players respect him. The players want to play for him. He's put together a good staff. It works. It works. His strengths are his ability, I think, to get along with and motivate people. That's a huge part of any coach's job. And by the way, I was thinking about this the other day. Because when they hired Nick, I, like, I didn't know anything about him, and we all learned about him that first news conference. And mm-hmm. I think every single person without exception – had the reaction of, oh, my God, this is going to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um But I was thinking about the the guys they almost hired, or the guys they interviewed. Would it have been the same with Josh McDaniels? Would it have worked with Todd Bowles? Would it have worked as well with Jared Mayo or Kellen Winslow? Not Kellen Winslow. Kellen but, Moore. Kellen Moore. Kellen Winslow, not him. Kellen Moore. Would it have worked as well? And uh, Probably not.
6: I don't no. think it would have. No, I don't think so. I think the one thing that Nick brings to the table... Uh, That is an underrated quality in today's professional sports environment uh, and getting players to respond to you is authenticity. Uh, Look, I don't love the mugging on the sideline either. I didn't care for it, for instance, in Indianapolis when after they beat the Colts, within a week of the Colts firing Frank Wright, Nick's mentor, that he was standing on a bench gesticulating to the fans. I think he's got a little bit of maturing to do in that regard. But having said that, the players don't mind it because it's Nick being Nick, mm-hmm. and that works nowadays. Players don't want to feel like they're being sold a bill of goods by their head coach. Yep. They don't want a guy who says one thing and does another or tells them one thing and doesn't follow up on it. Yep. Nick is Nick, and they trust that Nick is going to be Nick, and they respond to that.
5: I think that's a great point, uh, to which Brandon Graham... Was asked about what Julian Love had to say.
7: You know, people always got something to say when they at home, so they got some stuff to think about. So I ain't really gonna touch too much on it. I just know that Coach Sirianni is. Uh, it don't matter what he did last year with a team that you know nobody thought was gonna do much. You know, he ended up getting us to the playoffs, and then for his second year, it's, I mean that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get better. You're supposed to bring players in to get uh, to do exactly what you need them to do, and we did that.
5: My favorite part of that is uh, I'm not really going to comment. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't want to like uh, get in a feud with the guy, but that's what people say when they're sitting at home. Yes, so like <laughs> a little, a little backhanded, passive aggressive. I, I love tape.
6: any kind of uh, response like that where the victim doesn't know they've been uh, criticized or or responded to until they kind of look down and see the the pool of blood at their <laughs> feet from when the, the knife has gone in their belly. Yeah, um, and, and it's interesting because because Graham said something. I thought that was really insightful after the championship game. I asked him uh, about how did the Eagles get to this point? You know, what was Nick's role in this? You know, how did you guys go from being four 11 and one in 2020 to being a Super bowl team in 2022? And he said, you know, you guys made fun of Nick because of the flowers and the, and Mm -hmm. the press conferences, but we all saw what he was and followed him. And, You know, I think one of the things that gets again, gets kind of undersold nowadays is that so many athletes now express themselves publicly through social media that the idea of a coach being demonstrative or authentic doesn't either doesn't bother them or is an asset because they're coming up in an environment where everybody is expressing themselves publicly all the time. It's not the environment that I came up in as a you know twenty something in journalism and newspapers. Mm-hmm. It's not the environment you came up in. No, no. no. But it's the norm nowadays, yep. and it seems to me Sirianni has adjusted to that or you know accepted that pretty well.
5: He gets this generation of players, and they get him. By the way, I understand that Brandon Graham doesn't want to take a shot at Julian Love, but. We can, (laughs) which is to remind Julian Love, who's obviously not listening at the time, but to remind our listeners that the Eagles in week 14 played the, the New York Giants. And early in the game, when the score was seven to nothing and it was fourth and seven for the Eagles, I believe they were at the Giants' 41 yard line, Julian Love was called covering Devontae Smith. And here's what happened Eagles on the season are decent. On fourth down, Hurts back again.
3: He's floating it for Devontae Smith, who makes the catch. The Giants miss, and he walks into the end zone. Oh, The Giants goodness. gambled, and Hurts went 41 yards for the touchdown, beating Darnay Holmes, oh my who goodness. came off flat-out, missed him, and trotting into the end zone was Devontae Smith. Well, it was
5: Holmes, but yeah. also... It was also Julian Love Yeah, beat on that play. Yeah, that was
6: one of the more memorable plays of the season where you saw these two Giants defensive backs looking like they're going to converge on Devontae and just crush him and all of a sudden he's caught the ball and sashaying into the end zone and the two waving into both of them. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway.
5: Well, there you go. Julian Love, have a great off season. We wish you the best. We'll <laughs> see you next October. Uh by the way, let me give the numbers. Two one five five nine two actually number. 215-592-9494. We don't take a ton of calls, but we do try to work your phone calls into every segment. So if you call, we'd love to hear from you. All right. I want to transition. To another enemy of the state, and that would be the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, who uh, decided to kind of take a shot at Howie Roseman and the Eagles organization, explaining why is it that the Eagles are back in the Super Bowl again, and the Cowboys for 28 years in a row yeah, are not. And so here's what Jerry Jones had to say.
2: In essence, we're seeing a couple of teams that have had some real success putting it all out there. And uh, paying it, paying for it later, right. in Philadelphia and San, and uh, really uh, Los Angeles. Uh, don't think that doesn't pop my head and get my eye as far as doing it, and I know how to do that. And uh, so uh, uh, it's uh, it's again, it's a part of uh, uh, what you uh, put in that computer, or what comes <laughs> out, and we'll see, we'll see how uh, it comes. But uh, that's pretty impressive to have two teams in the last two years empty the bucket. And get to the Super
5: Bowl. Okay, so here's what he's saying. He's saying, I mean, it's obvious what he's saying. He's saying that last year the Rams won by basically putting everything. Yes,
6: trading draft picks, signing draft, whoever they right, need to sign.
5: signing guys to huge contracts, doing it, and like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna try to get there this year, and it worked out for the Rams. Uh, and the Eagles are doing the same. The Mike. No, the, the Eagles, Eagles
6: are doing the same. The Eagles are not doing the same. First of all, the Eagles have two first round picks next year. Um, yeah. So the idea that they've emptied the bucket in pursuit of the Super Bowl this year. It, look, what Jerry is doing is trying to rationalize the fact that the Cowboys haven't been to a cha- NFC championship game yeah. in 28 years, let alone a Super Bowl. Well, he's thinking long-term. Well, yes, you know, I, I, and I, I would love to <laughs> know.
5: Love. he's thinking long term. I
6: would love to know who's the person in the background you can hear saying "right, right" when Jerry cites the Eagles as a team that goes all in and empties the bucket, because it's not true. No, right? it's just not true, and you can look at what the Cowboys have done under Jerry, where you make a long-term commitment to a Dak Prescott. And you sign a running back in Ezekiel Elliott, who's now in clear decline. Yep. In the NFL, that's going all in. That's saying, these are the guys we absolutely have to have, and we will pay whatever we have to pay to keep them. Yep. What the Eagles are doing is saying, you know, there are certain guys who we're going to keep here long term, but we're going to maintain enough roster flexibility that if an opportunity to acquire A.J. Brown comes up, we can make that move. Uh, we can sign James Bradbury, for instance, to a one-year contract, bring him in and play cornerback. Um, that's kind of the the intelligence and the genius of what Howie Roseman has done. He's allowed to be able to correct mistakes and make big moves whenever the opportunity presents itself.
5: It's so disingenuous because he knows it's not true. Right. The Eagles have not mortgaged his future. He's smart enough to know that. And as you just pointed out, he has to a large degree done that. He's the one that's got the quarterback with the $190 million contract. The Eagles may have to go there after this year, probably will, and mm-hmm. things will change. But the Eagles got there this year without mortgaging their future and left themselves in good shape, uh, via the draft at least. All right, one more, and this is the old one. I'm not, I'm not going to play it again, but we had Micah Parsons earlier this year saying essentially Jalen Hurts was a system quarterback, and I kind of got what he was saying, but it's still at some point you got to give Jalen Hurts a lot more credit than that. Um, th- th- hey, the Eagles lost twice with Gardner Minshew. I think that narrative kind of uh, stopped, yeah. right? Yes. Okay, so the bottom line, Mike Sielski, how did they manage to get to the Super Bowl considering they had a GM who, <laughs> who sold out they had a know-nothing coach, or a do-nothing coach, I mm-hmm. guess, a system quarterback, a soft schedule, uh, well, a pass in the postseason. What did I leave out? How is it that this Eagles team, which, and by the way, a lot of people said it's the best Eagles team in history. It will be if it wins, mm-hmm. okay? Which has a very good chance to be the best franchise, the best team in the history of the franchise. How is it that it gets... No respect, asked
6: Rodney Dangerfield. That's a really good question. Um, We were talking about this before the show in that uh, I do feel like Philadelphia is, and I've used this phrase before, like under the dome, right? Like people here don't pay as close attention to what's going on in the national scene. Yeah. In sports, and people in the national scene don't really understand what's going on in Philadelphia. Correct.
5: We're a little parochial, and the rest of the world doesn't see us. It, yeah, that's yeah. exactly
6: right. I think, I think some of it is the residue of what's happened in the past that has gotten the Eagles, in, in some ways, helped to get the Eagles to this point. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Everybody saw the Carson Wentz situation blow up in 2020 and 2021. And everybody pointed out, rightly at the time, that the Eagles were eating so much money, to move Wentz. Uh, they had poured so many resources into him, traded up twice, given up all these draft picks, et cetera, et cetera, and it didn't work. But, they were smart to move on when they did. Yeah. They were smart to bite the bullet they and say, that contract. it, it ain't going to work. Yeah. We've got to shift. Jeffrey Lurie talked about this the other day after the championship game, is you've got to make these tough decisions sometimes. And yeah, nationally it's, oh my gosh, can you believe they committed to Carson Wentz? Meanwhile, they they draft Jalen Hurts, they take a chance and it works out, they make some other smart moves, and it's never it's not the big thing that got them here, it's this trade here, this acquisition there this draft pick here, and it's like, uh, what what's the fable right, slow and steady wins
5: the race mm-hmm. and that's kind of what they, they done. To what they did. Yeah, absolutely, by the way I got one quick Jerry Jones anecdote uh, from yesterday which is a friend of mine uh, Mike Sokolowski who texted me about this last night is in New Orleans for a bachelor party. And they're at a very fancy restaurant. I'm guessing, what, Commander's P- uh, Palace? Commander Palace, yeah. yeah. I love that restaurant. Oh, it's great. And
6: Emeralds is tremendous. It's a tourist trap, but anyway, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Uh, anyway, so Jerry Jones is in the restaurant. Oh. And he's there with a bunch of guys from Philadelphia for a bachelor party. So the first thing they did is they sent Jerry Jones a shot on top of a napkin that said, Go Birds. <laughs> And then, which he, he waved to them, mm-hmm. and then they decided from their table to do an E A G L E S oh, chant. And apparently, the maitre d'I want to find what he said. The maitre d came over to the table and said, I wouldn't recommend doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> he said, but as they walked out, he was still there. He said, We all walked out and individually went by his table and said, Go, birds. He was a good spirit about it. So, Jerry, so I, J- I love uh, Mike. Well done. Yeah. Rep- that's representing Philadelphia well. You find Jerry Jones in New Orleans, and you give him a hard time.
6: That's great. Jerry, there was an ESPN profile of him a few years ago, and the profile was practically soaking in Johnny Walker blue because that's what Jerry drinks. <laughs> oh, they, and
5: I, They sent I, him one of those. Yeah,
6: they, well, that's like
5: you
6: know, yeah. $50 a shot. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. But uh, he must have been branding his sorrows the other night in New Someday Orleans. Someday I have
5: to tell you the story about how, how I inadvertently bought Jim Nance a bottle of wine at that restaurant. You did? Yeah, during the NCAA finals. I, I, I don't want to work it in okay. now, but it's, it's a good story. I'll tell you sometime. Yeah. Uh, Brian and Booth Wynn starts us out. Brian, what's on your mind?
3: Hey, what's going on, fellas? I love listening to you. Thank you. I Thanks, haven't Brian. called in in a couple of years, um, but I just got to just gotta tell Jerry Jones if what the Eagles are doing right now is wrong, brother, I don't want to be right. <laughs> because we have plenty left in the cupboard. Our GM is not only the top GM in the league, but that guy spins all the numbers, and he never comes up doing anything illegal, or, you know, how you want to call that in NFL terms. He's just better at it than everybody else. And I would love to see, after we win the Super Bowl at the draft, Maybe another David Ickes thing, we bring a big bucket up, and it's all full. we we'll us say if after two and five years, the bucket is still full.
5: Oh, that's good. <laughs> hey, Brian, good thinking. Well done. Thanks, Nicely Brian. done. Draft is in Arizona this year, I
6: think. I think so, yeah. 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 And, and, you know, that's, that's the other component that we haven't mentioned with respect to Jerry Jones, is any owner would be frustrated if they've gone 28 years and their franchise hasn't won a Super Bowl. But the fact that Jerry is the general manager... And he's getting outfoxed and outsmarted by a guy like Howie Roseman, who is Ooh. quote unquote not a football guy. Not a guy. football guy. That's got to stick in his craw.
5: Absolutely right. Let's uh, we'll get John and Mannyunk up here before the break. Hi, John. Hey, Glenn. What's up, buddy? We're good, pal. Uh,
6: a
4: couple. Uh, um, I think the Eagles are going to win, but my one big worry is how, how are we going to attract Kelsey? You going to put a safety on him? I don't think a Kazir White Weber or a linebacker can cover him.
6: Yeah, you know, John, I think they're going to try both Avante Maddox and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Uh, okay. And, you know, I think, and we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of the game, I think a little bit later with Ray around noon. But, you know, the the, the key, more than covering Kelsey, I think is going to be pressuring and confusing as much as you can Patrick Mahomes. Um, if you go back to that Super Bowl a couple of years ago when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers destroyed the Chiefs, Mahomes was running for his life the whole game, and that's that's the key there. It's not going to be so much can they stay with Kelsey. It's going to be can they get to Mahomes and and keep him from getting the ball down. He's
5: so good at finding the seams, Yeah, right? That's what he does. He's covered, and then all of a sudden he's between, which is why zone coverage is tough on him, which yes. is what makes me nervous because they're going to do zone coverage. Here's John, And by the way, the Eagles have been very good against tight ends mm-hmm. all year. John, here's what I think. He's going to have nine catches for 98 yards and a touchdown, and the Eagles are going to win. That's what I think. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's he'll do his damage. Yeah. Their wide receivers are not great. Hardman's out. Mm -hmm. You keep them from doing damage. They have the good young running back. Again, we'll cover all this with Ray later, but to me it's like, you give him in the NBA, like okay, we're giving Jordan thirty points. Yeah, look, and we'll, we'll stop the other guys. Look,
6: they they couldn't stop Rob Gronkowski five years ago either. Right. He was the Patriots' best offensive player, and they still managed to well, win. Well, hopefully, that
5: they game. don't give up five hundred and ten yards this game, but we'll find out.
6: Hey, it's it's the formula that works, Glenn. I don't know what you're <laughs> complaining about.
5: Yeah, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. As we said, Ray's going to join us at eleven. Seth Wickersham, uh, at noon, excuse me, Seth Wickersham of ESPN at eleven. Uh, And we want to talk to you all day. We are excited. A week away from the Super Bowl on the anniversary of the Eagles winning the last one. Very good vibes in this city right now. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94WIP.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
5: Instacart knows
1: nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
2: The MLB app, baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.
5: With Mike Sealski, I am Glenn Mac. Now we'll get to the phones in just a minute. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. All right, switching gears for a moment, but staying in the theme of dumb things people <laughs> said this week. There is a
6: surplus of it this week. There
5: is, and I think this is the this is this one takes the cake. Uh, In case you missed the news, Tom Brady once again retired this week. Again? Yes. Uh, Which prompted more stupid things to be said. You know what? I don't even want to set it up much more than that, other than to say this is former offensive lineman, Sean O'Hara, had a long career, mostly with the Giants, center for the Giants, uh, was on the NFL Network soon after Brady retired, and this was Sean O'Hara's take.
6: This is a,
8: a huge moment, not just for Tom Brady, not just for the NFL, but like for all of us. You know, look, uh, people remember where they were when JFK was assassinated. You remember where you were with 9-11. Can hey, I tell like, you something can you know, kind of dude, real quick? He, his first start was a week after 9-11. That's how long oh, ago he's been playing. I was, I came out the same year as him, 2000, and he's still playing. 23 years, that's a long time, but... I'm going to remember this. Like, I'm going to remember who I'm I'm with. Uh, Kyle's going to remember he was in Vegas. Um, You're going to remember where you were when Tom Brady announced his official retirement. And it sounds like this one's
5: for real. Are you out of your freaking mind? Uh, Listen, I am old enough to remember where I was when Kennedy was assassinated. I was in first grade coming back from lunch when the teacher told us about it. And Mm -hmm. we were little kids. And it's, it's one of the moments that scarred my life. I remember where I was when 9-11 occurred, which was driving on the Schuylkill to do the show, hearing Al Morganti tell me that the, tw- the first of the Twin Towers had fallen down. I didn't remember an hour after Brady retired where I was.
6: Never mind what, that. What, what? You're equating the retirement of a professional athlete to two national tragedies. Yes. Like, this is... This is ridiculous. First of all, bad week for current and former Giants when it comes to <laughs> weighing in on yes. the news of the NFL. Yes. Number one, number two, this is this to me strikes me as the kind of thing that someone who wants to make a rise in the sports analyst business says to try to garner attention. Mm. Uh, that y- that Sean O'Hara would suggest that. The second time that Tom Brady retires is the equivalent or akin to John F. Kennedy's assassination, the terrorist attacks of 9-11, or, and he didn't say this.
5: World-shifting events. Yeah,
6: like, not even the, ch- the like the, the Challenger. I remember where I was for the Challenger yeah, disaster in, in, in 1986.
5: 1986. Detroit, Detroit Free Press Newsroom,
6: like, yeah. Th- they're not the same thing.
5: No. They're no, not the it, same it's, thing it's at all. so disrespectful to that and I'm not sure that's the word I'm looking for but off
6: like you really have to be in a tunnel yeah of football yeah. to think that Tom Brady retiring is in any way on par with those other events yeah, anyway. you really do
5: yeah and Okay. Well, that's that's the last of some people, things people said. We we'll get. I'm going to get to the phones in a second, but so Brady is now going to become a broadcaster. And before we go back to the phones, I want to talk about that because he signed last year, mm-hmm. I guess, upon his first retirement, or as a futures contract, a ten-year, three hundred and seventy-five million dollar deal to be the lead analyst on Fox, which was put on hold when he went back, and Greg Olson kind of went into that job. Greg Olson will be doing the Super Bowl next week. I like Greg Olson, and I think Greg Olson will be better than Tom Brady. Um, I guess I'll, I'll pose it in the form of a question to you. Uh, I know you like Greg Olson, so we don't have to cover that. Do you think Tom Brady's going to be any good at this? I have no idea. Okay.
6: I have absolutely no idea. To me, this is the ultimate ironic situation if you think about it. Go way, way, way back. When Brady was playing at Michigan— He was Michigan's starting quarterback, and he was good, and they were winning games. And he got supplanted by a bigger name, by Drew Henson, who was the big recruit, Mm. the two-sport athlete. Mm. Mm. He was going to be Mr. Everything. And Brady ended up losing his job, not on merit. It didn't have anything to do with the way Brady was playing. It was simply, well, Drew Henson's got to play because he's Drew Henson. And the same thing's going to happen here, I think, to Greg Olson. You're right. Greg Olson is terrific. He and Kevin Burkhart are going to call that Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl, and it's going to be excellent. I I can't guarantee anything about the Super Bowl, but I guarantee that the broadcast is going to be terrific, and Brady's going to come in and take Greg Olson's job, and I have no idea yeah. how good he's going to be as an I, analyst.
5: I think, and maybe it's just me because I live in Philadelphia, I don't think Brady's got a lot of likability. I no, I think you're right. I don't, and we will see how he turns out. I'm guessing, venturing, betting, you remember when they had Joe Montana, the greatest quarterback in football in the history of football when he retired, mm-hmm. and Joe Montana went into the same gig broadcasting, and he was terrible because yep. he didn't want to say anything. Yep, that's exactly right. And I feel Brady may be the same thing. It, it, you, you, It's
6: rare to get, I think, the golden boy quarterback who is really good at that job. Troy Aikman is and has been for a long time, but Troy Aikman was also... A pretty affable guy from what i understand when he was a player he was smart he was accommodating he he didn't hate the media he didn't look down on anybody that ain't tom brady no that ain't no tom brady. i
5: interviewed a, a couple times and he always was It was a good interview mm-hmm. uh i don't think i ever was in a position to interview brady but whatever uh and by the way last thing on this poor greg olson <sighs> i read that his contract is he gets 10 million dollars a year if he's the 18 broadcaster I think it was two and a half or three million dollars a year. If he's not right, so he loses. Brady retires, and uh, you know, it may not be as memorable as the JFK assassination. To everybody, <laughs> but to Greg Olson, he just lost seven million bucks. That t- yeah,
6: that that's that ain't right. <laughs> no, that ain't it's right. Not it's, right. It's not and about it's because, merit. And it's yeah.
5: right. It's because one guy's the greatest quarterback ever, and the other guy's a tight end. If I, I were
6: Greg Olson, I would have no compunction about. It's easy for me to say this, but I would have no compunction about saying to Tom Brady, hey, pal, you better be good. You better be really good. Uh, and putting some pressure on him we'll because, see. We'll see. you know, uh, it ain't right.
5: No, it's not right. Rob and Glenn Olden is with us. Rob, what's going to happen a week from today?
3: Hey, Glenn, I'm, I had a call, guys. Hey, Mike. How, how Hi, are Rob? you? Listen, you know, I'm superstitious just like everybody else or a lot of people. So I called up. I wasn't close, but, you know, I said 40 burgers the last two weeks, but they— You know, we couldn't predict knocking out a third-string and a fourth-string quarterback, but, hey, our defense earned that right to do that. So that's just – By the way,
5: for people – because the narrative out of San Francisco this week is, oh, we would have beat them if they're in the Uh, quarter – The Eagles rushed for four touchdowns, four running touchdowns, and the best run defense in the NFL. So apparently, the Eagles. I don't. I don't think that Brock Purdy had anything to do with that.
3: No, no, and and, and, and I got a score for at the end. I got two strategic points. One, I like our matchup of our our wide receivers against their secondary, who I think has a couple rookies in it. And I like the matchup of our secondary against their wide receivers. Um, and my second point is this. If we can kind of follow, I know TJ just said and done the, blue the blueprint that Tampa did a couple years ago, mm-hmm. where he just rotate guys, and he was helping them the whole so Now, he's going to be helping but I still think he's not going to be close, obviously, to 100%. You just rotate guys, just hound him, put pressure on him. I don't see them keeping up with us. And my score, Glenn, I'm going to get the positive of hoagie that day, because I just got to do it. <laughs> Four, 41. 24 birds, and they're going to score a garbage touchdown at the end and make it 24. I just don't see them.
6: Uh, wow, there
5: you go. Work. Thank you, appreciate so, it.
6: I hope it's right. Rob from Glen Olden coming in hot with a you know three score difference there. One correction we got to make first: line uh, the NFL draft is in Kansas City
5: this year. Oh, okay, yeah, I knew, I knew there was a Super Bowl yep. tie. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's going to be very disappointing for them. <laughs> uh, when they have the 31st pick of the draft.
6: So much confidence here.
5: Well, it's funny, because I, I, I said that, but I just, I'm just i goofing. People, and I, I may do the, the tomorrow when I'm working with Jody, I may make this a theme. Five years ago, we everybody put on the underdog masks, mm-hmm. and everybody strutted around, but let's be honest. The Eagles were the underdogs, and this being Philadelphia, deep inside, people had a lot of fatalism. Yes. This time everybody thinks they're going to win, and going away. Yeah, it's it's
6: a different pose. It's a weird position it to be is. in as
5: a Philadelphian. I'm not used to having all this. I'm almost nervous because I'm so confident. Which, yeah. Uh, does that make sense?
6: If you're from Philadelphia or you've spent any amount of time here, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, we like – the fancier like situations where they can root without having anything to lose or feel like they don't have anything to lose. That's why – the Phillies man house right. money. Exactly. Yeah. That that's that was the sweet spot of Philadelphia fandom right there. The run the Phillies made and uh I think this this season is similar in that regard in that the Eagles are better than anybody thought they'd be and they're so good that people are looking at this and saying, "Well, okay, like it's not so uncomfortable to be rooting for the favorite this time around." I find it and out. And yet
5: I do I find it out. Warren in Gwynedd Valley. Hello Warren. Hey guys, thanks for taking
4: my call. Always. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hi Warren. I, I don't like the feeling of you know boasting that, that the Eagles are gonna win but then feeling that what if they don't and I put myself out there. It's just yes. like you guys are saying I, right now. It's
5: a, I, I, it's I hear a it, very strange feeling. It's a very odd feeling. I'm and entirely the other with thing you.
4: is the lead up to this is also kind of awkward where you know, you've got a disrespected team and you've got an, an over you know, appreciate a team in Kansas City and, and Andy Reid, where we have to earn the respect as the favorite, and um, and that Kansas City gets all the respect. It's, it's another
5: well. Let me ask you a question. Do you think strange. in Kansas? Actually, our next caller lives in Kansas City, so I want to ask him. Do you think Kansas City right now? The narrative is, hey, we've been to two of the last three Super Bowls. We won one of them, and yet we're the underdog. Nobody believes in us. You think they're playing that out there? Probably, most likely. Mike, does that ever work?
6: You know, I don't know if it works or not. I would wonder if the shoe were on the other foot and the Chiefs were playing in Philadelphia, meaning that was – we. The Philadelphia had the Chiefs as its team and Kansas City yeah. had the Eagles. Yeah. Would people Are be you- saying, boy, I wonder – I hope Andy manages the clock all right. Or I hope – you know, the, I hope I hope our team doesn't take a, a big lead early and then squander it late, because that's happened a couple of yes, times to him in the that. playoffs.
4: Yeah. I have a, a Tom Brady uh, feeling when you were referencing uh, where were you when uh, Tom Brady retired. Yeah. I was thinking, when he goes into broadcasting, I think it's going to be uh, related to the Hindenburg disaster, because I think he's going to go down in flames.
5: Wow. <laughs> Thanks. Wow. <laughs>
6: Can we make any more historically inappropriate comparisons uh, on this show?
5: Uh, hey, it's Sean O'Hara, baby. Yeah, I know. I he know. started it. I know. Uh, Clay is in Kansas City. Clay, you're an expat, right? We've talked to you a lot. Uh, what? What's the... <laughs> no,
9: no? Actually, Glenn, I'm from I'm from here.
5: Oh, you are. Oh, okay. Okay. You're so remind me your a... your connection to Philadelphia. I, I have none. Other oh. than when I was. Well, growing you've been up. calling us for a while.
9: Hey, listen! I've been listening to the show for years. Thank God for the Odyssey app because I'm a huge Eagle fan. Uh, And we appreciate that. I'm
5: just how did that? How did that? How did that happen,
9: Clay? So when I was remember Frank Gans and when he took over the the Chiefs back in like 1987, the Chiefs were awful. Yeah, they were terrible. And like I'm like a elementary school kid, and they're trying to force me to be Cowboys. And I knew they're evil, so I just (laughs) wanted to pick a different team. And I loved Buddy Ryan. I loved Wow. Okay. And they had Reggie and Randall, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go against the grain and be an Eagles fan. So I've been called a bandwagon fan before, but who in the hell was jumping on the Eagles bandwagon in 1987? Let's be honest. That's, so,
6: a, that, yeah. that's a fair so that, point, Clay. That, got, yeah. got to admire that. That it was those teams that that drew you into the Eagles, definitely.
9: Yeah, and, and Sunny Ticket makes it real easy in the internet. Like I follow all the beat writers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Huge fan. Like I know more about the team than my buddy that lives in Jenkintown. He's always calling me for the Eagles scoop. So very cool. Anyway, um, so I will say this after the. Chiefs won Sunday night. I get the, you know, some text like, hey, we're going to beat you guys. But I have heard nothing this week because I'm a well known Eagles fan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I've got no dirty messages. No, we're going to kick your butt. I called in uh, to Ike's show earlier this week, and here's my take on this. Okay. The Chiefs may have the best three players on the field. Chris Jones is really good. Travis Kelsey is really, really good. And Mahomes is an alien, right? We know that. Mm -hmm. But after that, the next 15 players. That are the best players are going to be wearing green. I mean, this team is loaded with talent, and if and you made a really good reference, Glenn, when you talked about that Bucks beat beat down the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs' offensive line is not much better. Yeah, yeah. than it was then. So I mean, they have Creed Humphrey. He's a nice because I do watch a lot of Chiefs games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will just tell you, I don't think they can block the Eagles' front. The Chiefs' defensive ends, they are nowhere like Joey Bosa. And the other kid for the 49ers. They're not even Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. They're just guys. I think so I got to hit a
5: break, but I appreciate it. And, and I think I, th- I don't know that I agree the best three players are in the Chiefs because right now I think I might put Hassan Reddick on the best three players. Darn and right. I think the Eagles center and right guard, or center and right tackle are guys who mm-hmm. uh, consider that. But yeah, if you take the best 10 players on the field, seven of them are going to be Eagles.
6: Yeah. Look, I, I again, we said this before the show, Glenn, but I think there is at their core. This Chiefs team is basically the same as the Patriots team that the Eagles beat five years ago. You have an all-time great head coach. Back then you had Bill Belichick. This time it's Andy Reid. You have an all-time great quarterback, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. You have an all-time great tight end, Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey. Both those teams, though, were top-heavy. And that, that, to me, is the key to this whole thing. If the Eagles are able to kind of withstand what Mahomes and Kelsey can do they should win this game.
5: All right, quick break. 2 on 94 Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack now on a Saturday. We are one week away from the Super Bowl. 57 Eagles against the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, I know what I'm about to play occurred a full week ago, so it's really looking back in the rearview mirror. But I heard this this week. I love... Brian Baldinger's Baldy Breakdowns, mm-hmm. uh, which I look at on Twitter as often as I can. And he did one on Jordan Maelotta black blocking Joey Bosa. Really, about the whole team mm-hmm. blocking Bosa? Nick Bosa, sorry. Yeah. yeah, Joey is the brother who wanted to fight the fans last week. That's
6: true, yes. <laughs> right, Nick and Bosa. the fans were ready to fight him oh, back. They were
5: ready to go. Nick Bosa, thank you. Um, and um, But this is Baldy's breakdown of the Eagles and specifically Specifically, Milata blocking Nick Bosa.
9: The story here in this play, in the story of the season, is the Eagles' offensive line. That's Mulata on Nick Bosa. Now, not everybody has Mulata, but Mulata puts Bosa right on his Bosa right here. <laughs> like, and that just puts him down, but he's going to gator him. He's going to sit on him. He's going to breathe on him. He's just going to let him know we're here all day. All right? That's just the way Mulata plays, Dickerson, Kelsey, they all play the same way. Like, nobody has this mentality on the offensive line in of this league like the Eagles do.
5: Baldy, of course, a former offensive lineman himself, and he gets it. And it's just, I love, he, he lies on him, he breathes on him, he lets him know we're here. Great job by Baldy, but, you know, I mean, as you were talking earlier and you're working on a column, what these guys have learned from Jeff Stallin, this, the, This offensive line, game in and game out, is so damn
6: good. It is. And, you know, to go back to our previous segment, Glenn, where we were discussing why we think that so many people are reluctant to give the Eagles credit publicly for what's happening here, I wonder if part of it is because the true strength of this team is the offensive line. And that's not a sexy thing to talk about. Like, it, it would be different if... Not that Jalen Hurts has had a bad season or hasn't had a great season. Of course he has. But it's not Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. The key to this is they just freaking block better than you, and they don't allow you to block them on the other side of the ball. And so what do you say about that other than do what Baldy has done and what some other people can do and get really technical about – offensive and defensive line
5: play right the cliche is you win the games in the trenches but those aren't the guys who get on television exactly and they they, they, you know what i'm not doing this now but somewhere along the line if this offense if this offensive line had gotten a sexy nickname Mm. right the hogs yeah it would have might have gotten them a little more attention because they are great lou and mount laurel is with us good morning lou hey good morning glenn how are you guys doing well lou thanks um I'll tell you what, Glenn. I don't,
8: I'm not going to remember where I was when Tom Brady retired A first, second. I don't remember where I was when he got divorced, but I remember where I was when my life turned around, and that was the Haverford Stadium, and all because of one Glenn Mack now.
5: Uh, Lou, I appreciate this immensely. This is a story that goes back a long way. Okay. Uh, Lou was a, a teenage goalie playing in Haverford the game. Hawk. Yes, proud he, Haverford Hawk. Yes, he was. Uh, Lou, I'll let you tell the story, because I, I appreciate that. That you occasionally remember it, so you can. No, I it
8: like, all this. I'm telling you, it turned my life around. You, you were the, you were the sonny to my collodero telling me, use your head, see, don't do it, see. <laughs> so, I, so we were. I took what you would call an unwise penalty after the game in the handshake line, after getting probably a couple roughing minors. So I'm leaving the ice, and here, who do I see? Glenn now pulls me aside, and I was wearing number 27. He said, "Son, son, what are you doing?" You've too much talent. You're playing like the guy you're emulating on the number. Use your head. You're too you're too good for that. And I'll tell you what, turn my life around to Havertz Stadium. I went, Dad, that guy from the radio lit me up. He goes, Good. He that man's right. You
5: should listen to Glenn. Wow. And that's
8: it. Path to, to success after that.
5: And Lou is now a, a an educator, a respected uh, manager. Elementary in his community.
6: school principal, yes. father, you name it. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I gotta ask Lou, you made the Bronx tale reference here. Did you uh, you know, did your wife open the door for you on the car when you went on your first date with her? Uh, yes, she did. I, did. I absolutely. There you go. That's Lou, all I you tried, need to know. I
8: tried uh, it on my on my Nissan Altima, and then I think after I got in, it was you have the automatic key, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah,
5: Lou, I'm <laughs> I'm really touched that you remember that, and I, I really, and I know you know like what a outstanding yeah. member you are in the community. Yeah. So, what happens next week?
8: I think the Eagles win. I think it 's close, and I want to ask you guys from a, like, i guess from like a psychological standpoint, how much do you think the fans are going okay, I know it 's a different sport different season there 's no way and I, I know the union lost that day too, but there 's no way we can drop two major championships with the Phillies losing, so we 're going to win. How much do you think psychologically we 're kind of talking ourselves oh we 're just going to kill them, we're, they should even show up. like the Chiefs uh, shouldn't how much do you think from a psychological standpoint since the Phillies lost you're going oh we're, there's no we're gonna win
6: now I'm not sure that's a factor Lou I haven't heard anybody okay. uh I mean, really yeah, kind I'm of citing it. that yeah as a reason why they think the Eagles will, will win in fact that thought hadn't occurred to me until you mentioned it uh yeah. to be very honest so I don't think people are looking at it that way I think they feel okay, pretty good. confident based on the good. team that the Eagles have
5: okay good we're not used to yeah. it, though. Lou, it's a pleasure. No, thank you, guys. I'll talk Absolutely to you after. We love you two together on you Saturday. You got it. Thank, thank you, thanks, gentlemen. Man. Appreciate it. Uh, it's very nice he remembers.
6: Yeah, I. I but to his question, I really yeah. haven't gotten that sense at all. No. People are saying, oh, well, the, the, we can't possibly lose three championships. No, I,
5: I do feel there's a little bit of we're not used to this spot. Yes. We embrace that underdog role very well. I, I did an interview last week
6: uh, with a podcaster, and he was asking me, What's Philadelphia like now and the line I use with him which I think is what you're saying is the rocky stuff is real people yeah. embrace that yeah. uh, and it is it's an uncomfortable it's like sitting in a chair that you can't quite get comfortable in it's hard to get used to the idea that the Eagles are supposed to win the Super
5: Bowl right so there's part of me that says like okay so I'm gonna discount that but then when I look at it I think like well that's because the Eagles are better yeah They're really good I yeah. think Bridget and Florida may agree as well Bridget what do you think? <laughs>
0: Hello, good morning guys Good morning Morning Bridget I'm calling from Florida Yeah Yeah
5: By the way, I started my career in Cocoa Beach, Florida Right down the road from Really? Yes, yes My first newspaper job was on that Florida Today paper down there
0: Yes, I did an interview for the Florida Today paper when we had one of our Phillies And they asked me, who do you think we should put in? It was one of our past Philly players And he put him in the next day and we won the game
5: There you go, Nice nice work by you good job
0: Yeah so, um, my opinion, okay, let me ask you guys this. Now, I asked the, the the guy earlier, maybe you guys could remember this. Five years ago today, we won our first championship. Now, I remember Tom Brady walking off the field, no congratulations or nothing.
5: We literally just it on- watched it on the NFL Network. They just played the game as we were doing the show, and i got to be honest, I was nervous on that last play. He but, was. But, yes, yeah. he did. He, sw- he walked off, he would not shake Nick Foles' hand. You're correct.
0: Yes. Yeah. Did he say, put something on Twitter? Now, I heard that he said, oh, I couldn't see that because of the smoke.
5: Uh, I believe, Brady, I, I don't know that he put it on Twitter, but I believe over time he has said that it was not intentional.
6: Yes. Okay. But so it has that. happened again Yes. in subsequent yeah. years where he has snubbed the opposing quarterback.
0: Put yeah, see, way. I think that's just wrong because I've seen in the last, every Super Bowl that I watch, I've seen all the quarterbacks hug each other, congratulate each other, the coaches. With him, it was just like, And I was like, you just, it, I, I just found it disrespectful.
5: And we will hold that grudge against Brady forever, correct? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm with you.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> you
5: Yeah. Um,
6: You know, my colleague, Marcus Hayes, our colleague here at WIP, uh, wrote a column after Brady's retirement, basically saying, like, look. People think Tom Brady's a good guy because he's a great quarterback. Tom Brady,
5: not that great a guy.
6: Yeah. Uh, so I encourage people who feel that way to read Marcus's column because he he laid it out pretty
5: laid out a pretty strong case. Two on five. Speaking of Tom Brady, two on five five ninety two ninety four ninety four. We will talk with Seth Wickersham coming up, ESPN senior writer who wrote the book. It's better to be feared. The New England Patriots dynasty and the pursuit of greatness. Uh, I believe there's a little bit on Tom Brady in that book. We'll just talk, a tad. We'll talk about that. we'll talk about his uh, the guy covers the NFL. What, what a guy, you know, not one of us from Philadelphia. How does he mm-hmm. view it? With Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP.
4: We get it. Attention
2: spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.